This is Exit Vila, powered by BackSportsPage.com. Coming in hot, this is the Exit Vila podcast, After Dark. I'm your host, AJC, otherwise known as Adam Cohen. I'm joined by my co-workers, Christian Q. Caranta and Henry Winklehake. Tonight, we're going to talk about some recent comments on the Astros science stealing scandal from a couple of sports players, and then we're going to write into our AL West preview. Before we begin, how are we doing tonight, fellas? Doing great. How are you, Adam? I am doing fantastic. Ready to hit the show on this on the road. How are you doing, Q? I am doing great. I'm ready to talk about some West Coast action. Let's dive right in, boys. Let's get it. Yes, sir. So recently, a lot of Major League athletes have spoken on the sign-stealing scandal, but recently, we heard LeBron James comment on the scandal himself. Now, LeBron James is not the biggest baseball fan in the world, but he is an important member of the sports world, and his voice carries a lot of weight. He was saying that if this happened in his own league, he would be really, really irate. That was pretty much the exact words without the expletives, and he thinks that Rob Manfred should definitely listen to his players about how the Astros should get legitimate punishments for this. Guys, what do you think of LeBron James commenting on this, and does his voice carry any weight here? I mean, yeah, LeBron James is is one of the best, one of the most competitive athletes of all time. I absolutely am buying that he would be irate. Uh, I think most athletes would be, and most athletes are that have commented on it. You haven't really seen a lot of support for the Astros, but LeBron is arguably the most influential athlete in the world. His voice carries a lot of weight. He's got his millions upon millions of followers, and pretty much any time he opens his mouth, it's a story on ESPN. So I'm sure that uh, Commissioner Manfred is aware of LeBron's take. But, yeah, I mean, I think he's just echoing the public sentiment there. LeBron James is the gold standard in sports. Bar none, this guy's word carries weight. He's echoing what the public is thinking. Everyone across the board, except maybe even Astros fans, actually scratch that. Astros fans may even feel one of the most cheated. We all feel cheated. And for LeBron to say this, segue into my next point, it may make baseball have a lot more interest this year than in years past. Because I know for damn sure LeBron James was not talking about baseball a couple years ago. So this might actually be inversely good for baseball. What do you think about that? We all know that LeBron James is pretty much the epitome of a sports athlete and a very well-regarded and influential sports athlete. So his voice definitely carries weight. And with him speaking about this, it's definitely getting baseball trending. As awful as the scandal has been, Baseball is kind of back on the maps for a little bit right now. And the Astros are the villain of the offseason. They'll be the villain of the season. And it's, it, it's really interesting to hear like all these players speak out, including Giancarlo Stanton as well, who said that his MVP season in 2017 where he had 59 homers. If he knew it was coming, he said he would have hit 80. What do you guys think about that? I think it's definitely possible. Uh prime Stanton had as much power as anybody in the game he still does but he's got to stay on the field but yeah if he knew it was coming I'm sure that he would hit upwards of 80 home runs I think a lot of players would well I guess maybe a lot of players wouldn't if the Astros weren't hitting 80 homers still so I can see the other side but Q what do you think 80 80 homers or no I go 80 90 home runs because 
he's that type of hitter that when he guesses the pitch correctly and he connects, woof, he has a fast bat, but he's a big dude. And when he's right and healthy, just like you said, he can hit the ball as far and as hard as anyone in the game. And he draws comparisons with his power to Bonds and McGuire and Sosa and A-Rod. I mean, they were tainted by steroids, but like it or not, they all had power. And if they knew what pitch was coming, that makes a huge difference to anyone who has ever played baseball. If you know off-speed or fastball, that is like, oh, half the battle's already done for you. A lot of pitchers have already commented that they rather face a hitter who has taken steroids to know what pitch is coming. So by that logic, Stanton definitely would have a shot at 80. It's a fun hypothetical scenario to think of. But we want to just keep the Astros scandal short and sweet. We've been talking about that a lot on that Sevilla podcast. So without further ado, let's get into AL West and... We're going to start out with talking about MVPs, Cy Youngs, and Rookie of the Year's award winners in the AL West. Who would be their armpits? And then we'll get into each team individually. So that on that note, besides Trout, who else could be MV, a Dark Horse MVP candidate in the AL West? Well, first, I just want to address how you have to say uh, besides Trout. Because, I mean, Mike Trout has led all of baseball in OPS for the last five seasons. The one season that he didn't was 2016, where he won the MVP award anyway. I mean, yeah, I mean, Trout is obviously the guy. But besides him, I'd say probably Alex Bregman. And then I think Jordan Alvarez would be my second pick. Nice, nice. I'm going to have to go Trout, even though you said no Trout. Because he has Anthony Rendon now. He has bats, you know, in front of him and behind him. It's not just Trout versus the world. Otani might be a little more healthy this year, and that's also another point we're going to get into. But if I didn't have to pick Trout, maybe Altuve has a chip on his shoulder this year. Who knows? I'll throw Altuve out there. Yeah, sorry to kind of block you guys with Trout right there. But he's just too good. You know, there actually used to be a thing on NLB.com called a Chapman filter because Chapman was once the hardest thrower in all of baseball. Now not so much, but he's still up there. And it was just all the fastest pitches. And he had to do a Chapman filter just to go to the next guy. So this is like the Trout filter. Because it's in all likelihood he'll win MVP again in the AL. But there are some fun pits here too. You guys mentioned Rendon and Otani. Alvarez is a very good dark horse pick. But I like a couple other guys uh, other in the West, other, other players in the West. I like Chapman on the A's. Semyon's also a great candidate. Matt Olson on the A's, too. For the Rangers, Joey Gallo was having an MVP caliber season before he got hurt. He was starting to cut down a little bit on a strikeout rate and he's becoming less of a home run, walk, and strikeout hitter. So those guys can have to be some fun pits. But... If you had to choose one guy, I think we could all safely say it'd be Trout, right? Absolutely. It's got to be. Yeah. It's really hard to root against that guy who basically gets better every single year. But nonetheless, moving on to Cy Young's, that one might be a little bit more wide-ranging. Who are some of your Cy Young award pits from the West? All right. Uh, if I'm not blocked on this one, guys, i got to lock in the favorite, and that would be Justin Verlander. With the departure of Garrett Cole, uh, it seems that Verlander is the 
the best pitcher remaining in the division. Uh, I would count on him. He is getting older, but sure, he's still going to strike out a ton of batters, still going to have some insane Astros voodoo spin rate going on. So he'll be an effective pitcher. He's my pick for Cy Young. Going to have to agree. I know we don't want to have a universal view on this show, but in a pitching not as heavy division, Verlander sticks out for sure. I know Kluber entered the the division, and he came off an ERA of about 5-plus last year, which was injury-riddled. Maybe you might look at him. I know Adam likes Kluber. What do you think, Adam? So here's my controversial view on Verlander. Yes, he did just win the Cy Young, and he's still probably an excellent year, but now he's 37 years of age, and he doesn't have Cole right behind him. He has Grinky, and Grinky is not bad, but he's not really this go-to ace that he once was. So I do believe that Verlander could have some regression in 2020. It'll be interesting to see how much that regression is. And on that note, I'd like to talk about dark horse candidate Corey Kluber, who had an amazing stretch of five consecutive years. I know his five-plus ERA will scare some people after that 2019 season where he's injured, but... That is not Kluber, and I know Kluber is kind of this older guy, which might be counterintuitive to my Verlander point, but nonetheless, Kluber's a late bloomer. Kluber's already won two Cy Young Awards during that dominant stretch. He could be a dark horse to win a third this year. So what do you guys have to say about that? Yeah, I like Kluber to bounce back. I mean, he it's not very long ago that he was mentioned among some of the best pitchers in baseball. You've seen the upside, uh, bouncing back from injury last year, but seemed a bit fluky with the line drive off the arm. Hopefully that's not something that you have to worry about too much going forward. I like Kluber to have a good year. Uh, It'll be interesting to see how the new ballpark plays in Texas. Most definitely. I loved Kluber. He's aging. He's getting older. But I'm truly rooting for him to bounce back. But I think his success is directly correlated to the Rangers' success if they can put up more runs, which they should. So I think he will bounce back. His ERA won't be five anymore, but I don't know if he's winning 20 games, but he's just a guy you seem to root for and hope he has success. I think we can all agree. I think we could all agree, too, that the Rangers will have a really fun pitching rotation. They have a couple other Cy Young candidates in there as well. They have Mike Miner and Lance Lynn, who both were part of the – I think their duo was part of at least like – they were part of the top 20 in, in Fangraph's War in 2019. They both placed in, I believe, the top eight of the Cy Young Award. So those two are definitely some good candidates. And then in the 80s, they have some very, very dark horse candidates in Jesus oh. Lizardo and Sean Monet, who both have somewhat limited major league experience, but both of them have ace-like potential. So – do you see those, those guys maybe making your running in 2020 as well? Yeah, I, th- I love Jesus Lazardo. He looked great in limited time in the majors last year. It was about 12 innings with a 1.5 ERA. But in the minors, he has a career 2.53 ERA and striking out about, t- about 11 batters per nine innings. So he's got great stuff. The one worry about him is that they are the, – the A's said they're not going to limit his innings specifically with a hard cap, but I'm sure they will be looking out for it as the season goes along. They don't want him to have too large of an increase at such a young age. 
most definitely. The A's, I don't know how to feel about them. They had a really good year last year. Their success depends on Simeon, and I see some regression in Simeon this year. He had a bonkers year last year, and I just can't see him duplicating that this year. That's a fair point. The A's definitely do have their fair share of question marks in the rotation, which is a little bit uh, a little bit surprising that how they won 97 games, but they lack a true ace. I mean, Fires isn't as bad as people think he is, but nonetheless, they will definitely be banking on the on how good their young starters will be. On that note, let's move to Rookie of the Year. What do you guys have to say about that? We got some interesting candidates here in the West, so I'm excited to hear what you guys think. Jesus Lazardo gets my vote uh, at the end of the day. Uh, if I'm mentioning him in that Cy Young conversation for the division, only right that uh, that I'd consider him for Rookie of the Year as well. I'm going to have to go with Solak on the Rangers. He's plays a number of positions. They're looking at him to play either second or an, a corner outfield position. He is projected to rank in wins ab- above replacement only behind Joey Gallo. So he's definitely a name to watch. And if he can do good for the Rangers, it's only gravy because the Rangers might be coming up there. They're not going to be there this year, but they're definitely retooled. The Rangers can definitely use some extra hitting for sure. They they have a decent second baseman in Odor. He, he looks flashy with his 30 home runs, but his average just isn't there. He's a low on base percentage, so if Solak can come up there, I believe Solak is a middle infielder. Correct me if I'm wrong, but he can definitely provide some much-needed boost to the Rangers lineup. I want to go with kind of a savvy pick right now and Joe Odell. I may not be totally, totally convinced by his power, which is especially a very prevalent part in today's game. But if not Adele, sneaky good pick could be Justin Dunn from the Seattle Mariners. That might hurt a little bit, too, because I know Dunn was a very highly touted prospect for the Mets before they got, he got traded for Edwin Diaz and Robinson Cano. But Dunn could really... Come on. I'm don't sorry. Me while I'm down here. <laughs> is he related to Adam Dunn? That would be interesting. I don't think he is. If he was, he'd probably be on the Blue Jays because that is the the second generation MLB team officially. <laughs> that's a very good point, Henry. No, that's the quote of the night right there, Henry. I don't know what we're gonna say in the rest of the show, but that is a quote of the night right there, hands down. <laughs> is that? <laughs> Thank you, Adam. <laughs> that is it's so true. They just have everybody's son. And, and someone else. Like, they have Bo Bichette, just, just everyone, so perhaps. But let's go into the over-under projections for each team before we dive a little bit more into each team's strength, strengths and weaknesses. So on these projection charts that we have, we have the Astros winning 92 games and 70 losses. Over-under for the Astros here, guys. I'm sorry, you said how many games? 92. Oh, easily over. I mean, I think yeah. there's, that's a bit of an overreaction to the scandal. They're still going to be really good. We'll dive deeper into what exactly uh, Houston's looking like this year, but I expect them to, to get over that easily. I agree, too. They could even win 100 still, even with the scandal looming above them. So that's pretty an easy consensus pit that the Astros will be better. Next, we have the Oakland A's at 88 wins. Over under for you guys. I'd say they don't win 100. I'd say 95 to 97 games. I'm not to agree. That's tough. Uh, 
the A's always surprise me and win more games than I think they should. So I may underrate them a little bit. I guess 88 teams, I expect them to be a playoff team. So I'll probably take over that and would think they would win maybe 90 or so. I'm going to have to go under on this one. Uh, A lot of their success, again, was with Simeon. They lack depth in pitching, especially starting pitching. And they're relying a lot on, you know, Chapman and all these guys. The Angels are coming up fiercely, even though they lack pitching as well. But they can definitely hit with them for sure. Slightly under. They might. I'm pretty surprised that the A's won 97 games. Henry made a great point about how the A's always kind of go above their projections. But of all their great hitters, they have Semyon, Olsen, Chapman, Loriano's not bad himself. And they, they also have some good up-and-coming pitchers, as we mentioned, and Jesus, Lazardo, Sean Manea, and a, and a new and improved Mike Fires, who's going to get all the protection that he could ever desire from uh, Rob Manfred. So who, who was it that just commented recently that he was a snitch? Was it Ortiz? David Ortiz, big poppy. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how if he'll do any better, any worse in 2020, that kind of hanging over him. And it's oddly convenient that he waited until now to – Reveal the scandal, not while it was actually happening. But moving on from that, I think the A's will be slightly over. I could see them winning 91, even 92 games, but I don't think they're going to win 97 again. I think that's a bit far stretched. So moving on to the next team, the Angels are projected to win 85 games. What do you guys say about that? I feel optimistic all of a sudden, I guess, about every team to hit their over in this division because I think the Angels can, can go over that as well. The pitching is a bit concerning. Uh, They're not very deep in their starting rotation. I believe the bullpen should be decent, but the bats are great. When you look up and down that lineup, Trout has more protection than he ever has before. Rendon, obviously a huge addition. I think the Angels should go over that, meaning that this is going to be a really competitive division uh, that could even contend for two wild card spots. Uh, Tampa Bay should be on alert. Oh, yes. You segued right into my prediction. I think there will be two wild card teams in this division. I'm gonna have to say right on the right on the nose, right around there, a little bit over, maybe a couple games. But these are uh, odds makers or whatever. They they're pretty good, so I'm gonna have to go with that. I strongly disagree with you guys, and I love the hitting with the Angels. I think they have underrated bullpen too, with guys like Kenyon Middleton. And sorry to bug you about this too, but Hanson Robles is actually not a bad closer for the Angels. Oh, no, 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 no. He's like gasoline on the fire. <laughs> gotcha. he, he, no, no, he, he'll fool you. He'll look good for a little while. Then, he, then you know, when push comes to shove, he'll, he'll throw a potato. Hey, right now he's their closer, and I never would have thought in 100 years Hansel Robles would be oh. the Angels' closer. So that is maybe saying something a bit. And they have some young flamethrowers, too, like Justin Anderson also throws upper 90s. Kenny Milton, as I mentioned, throws in the hundreds. So that's pretty good. Ty Buttery. Yeah. Ty Buttery, too. He's cold. Definitely. He's up and coming, too. I mean, they can definitely be legit. I can definitely see them hitting maybe at the mark. But that starting pitching, man, that is just not suspect. where it needs to be. Definitely suspect. And for the reason of starting pitching, I actually think they might even – be under 500 in that regard. Ooh, Adam. Hot take. Ooh. We'll revisit that one. Yeah. 
We're going to be watching Angels. Rub that in your face, Adam. <laughs> or, or Adam will have a hot take that pays off, and he'll rub it in our face. Yeah, that's true. So, Mike, Mike Trout, we're counting on you. Yeah. <laughs> Mike Trout, the savior. And the Angels are, too. Hey, Mike Trout's been injury-prone the last couple of years, so that could be the decider. I don't know if prone is quite the right word. He he, It has happened, but it hasn't been major stuff. Yeah, it's been like a thumb injury, but I just wanted to like throw that at you guys and see what you would think. That's it, It's a valid point. It's a valid point. Baseball needs Michael Trout in the playoffs. <laughs> Bar none. <sighs> you got to agree with that. <laughs> Absolutely. It's terrible that the best player in the game is somewhat wasting away, and it's not like they're a terrible team. I'm talking about them like – they could contend for a playoff, uh, for you know a playoff spot, but they just they've kind of wasted Trout's prime, and he, he's got several years of it left. But I hope they make a playoff. Yeah, soon. we can all agree on this. As much as I want to be play devil's advocate and say the Angels can be under five hundred, and Trout might see injury again, even though it's nothing major, but it is funny how it happened the last two years. We obviously all want to see Trout in the playoffs and just see what he can do. And it would be fun to see how deep he can go with this new and improved Angels lineup. But another interesting team after this, and that's the Texas Rangers. And they're projected at 78 wins. What do you guys think? Over, under for that? I kind of lean towards over for that one too, guys. I I like this to be a great division. Uh, The Rangers have a pretty sneaky good rotation, as we've touched on. And the lineup looks pretty strong. I really like Joey Gallo and the heart of that lineup. Uh, I, I'm excited to see Solak play, like you mentioned, Q. I, I don't love Rugnet Odor all that much, but that's okay. I probably probably shouldn't touch on him and the things I do like about the team. Uh, but, I, yeah, I can see the Rangers going over that. Q, what do you say? I have to go slightly under, but they are on the right trajectory to become a better club year by year. They're doing the right things. I can commend the GM. Don't know his name off the top of my head, but they are doing the right things. I will give them that slightly under. Maybe like I think 70 is a little bit low, but Henry, I'm going to have to disagree with you there in the lineup. That lineup does not look good after Joey Gallo. When you have Shinso Chu, who's aging rapidly at the top of your lineup, when you have guys like Ronald Guzman and Todd Frazier and Bruno Dorher, all okay, but their strikeout-prone tendencies in this lineup will – strike out a ton that would be very very much exposed the pitching staff's great and especially the back in the rotation we've talked about the three main guys three scion candidates and Corey kluber mike minor and lance lynn but lyles and gibson can definitely provide some quality innings back there too their bullpen is definitely suspect even more suspect than the angels so at least have some upside i would say for the rangers they really only have jose leclerc and I guess Nick Goody, who's a former Yankee, maybe a bit biased there, but he hasn't been bad since he left them. So I would say slightly under, maybe 75 wins, and only because the lineup needs to be improved after Gallo, and that's expecting Gallo to kind of a repeat of what he had in the first half last year. I do like Danny Santana and Willie Calhoun. I think that they both had potential to take another step forward this year, and Elvis Andrews is serviceable. And you're right that Shin Su Chu is getting old, but I think he's can still be a good table setter at the top of that lineup. So you're, you're, it's not very, it's not among the best in the league. I'll agree on that, but I don't think it's, it's, I don't think it's one of the worst. I think it's kind of middle of the pack. That's a pretty fair point. 
definitely they're definitely not the worst offensive team. Definitely have some upside, but they remind me of the Padres a bit, where low on base percentage, lowish on base percentage, not as bad as the Padres in terms of base percentage, but the strikeout rate. I feel like that's what's going to kill them. And maybe their pitching can carry them to over 500, but I don't really see the Rangers as a playoff team. It's their bullpen and their strikeout-prone tendencies. But moving on to the Mariners, they're projected to win 61 games over oh. under for them. This one should be a little bit of fun. Oh, it's 61? Yeah. I Yeah, I must have looked at an old number because I saw 67 and a half. So that's, that's come way under since. Uh, 61 is not very many games. But that team is not very good. So yeah. let's ride. I'm going under on this one. I'm switching it up. Wow. I have to go under because I think the Mariners are the buns of the division. Not to be a hater, they have a lot of young talent, but they have a lot of question marks and can see them winning like 50 games. I wouldn't say 50, but I could definitely see them losing 100. But just knowing the fact they won 68 games last year and they really haven't gotten worse. And maybe they'll have guys like Justice Sheffield and Justin Dunn. Marco Gonzalez actually isn't too, too bad, but definitely not an ace. So I would say slightly over here, but maybe about a game or two. Nothing nothing more than that. Definitely lose 95-plus games easily. Yeah, I agree. I don't think they'll be much fun to watch this year, but not a not a complete wasteland. There's, there's a little bit of upside there. It'll be exciting to see Justice uh, Sheffield, how he progresses – and Vogelback looked good at times last year. So we uh, will – there's a couple bright spots there at least. That's a fair point. And with the over-under projection, let's get to a little bit more in these teams, kind of the biggest questions surrounding them. We'll talk about one or two big questions for each team. Let's start off the Angels just because they have a fun team with a lot of interesting players. And one of the most intriguing players besides Trout Rendon is Shohei Otani. Guys, is Shohei Otani the X factor for the Angels? And how much should we expect him to contribute in 2020? I don't know if he is the X factor. He is certainly the most unique player in baseball for the value that he can provide, uh, not only as a pitcher, but a hitter. And he is awfully good at both of those things. So, yeah, I, I, I just, you know, he very well could be the MVP for the Angels, I guess, when you think about it, that he's going to give you. Hopefully around 100 innings of, I mean, last time he pitched, he was awfully effective. He was like a low threes ERA, if I recall. So I think that, you know, he's he's very valuable and they're going to bat him probably, what, four or five days a week? No, most definitely. Um, he has to become a great starting pitcher for them. This might sound ludicrous, but if their bats are really, really good and he's pitching lights out, would you consider maybe just pushing him towards being a pitcher a little bit more and even completely? Is that too crazy to think about? I don't really think that's too crazy. That's actually a point I never really thought about, and, that, and it makes sense. I mean, as much as the as much as the Angels want to make Otani this two-way star, they need starting pitching, and that is what is their downfall right now, what their projected downfall will be. And although Otani can still be great with a bat, this guy can really hit 25 home runs, bat around 300, get double-digit stolen bases too, and that's great. Wouldn't it be better to have him in the rotation and pitch 150 quality innings instead of 100? Even 100, they should be satisfactory. As Angels need to have one pitcher 
through 100 innings pitched in 2019. So it, it depends on how Madden will use him, and that kind of leads to my next question. How will Madden directly contribute to this team with his creativity, can he certainly make this team better? Henry, you know about this. Yeah, as a, as a Cubs guy, I love Joe Madden. I'll start by saying that. And I think that his different perspective and his creativity can certainly kind of help with reach, helping players reach their potential. I think maybe his approach sometimes has a little bit of a, a shorter shelf life, and it, it kind of wore off in Chicago and change was needed. But I'm excited to see what he can do with these Angels. Uh, hopefully he can put together a better batting order than he was able to do towards the uh, the end of his days in Chicago. Apparently Mike Trout is going to bat leadoff, though. So I think that could actually pay off. You get your best player more at bats. He brings a winning mentality to a club that has not seen much winning lately. I think his mantra, the way he holds himself, sort of – not Belichick-esque, but in, in the ballpark of that. And I think the Angels desperately need that. They need a change of culture, and he could bring that to the Angels. That's a fair point. And he definitely could directly affect Otani. He definitely can use his creative ways and try to construct an interesting lineup. Honestly, I love Trout at the top of the order. I miss the old days when Trout was steal 49 bases. That was fun. And not that Trout just isn't fun because he is the epitome of baseball fun, but how cool would it be to see Trout hit like 45 home runs and steal 30 bats? I mean, that would be amazing. And also, Madden was the guy who, of course, pretty much uh, utilized the shift. So it would be interesting to see what he does with his defense. Most, More specifically, if he will kind of cut Pujols to more of a bench time role, because he is pretty bad at first base. I know it's first base regardless, but it's it's still a, it's still a position, and he still does not bring great defensive value. Offensive value is very slow too, so he doesn't provide much there anymore. So with those thoughts in mind, it would be interesting to see what he does in terms of those questions. But moving on to the Astros, how good is their rotation supposed to be after Justin Verlander? What do you guys think? I mean, obviously, anytime you lose Garrett Cole, who's arguably the best pitcher in baseball right now, uh, that hurts a little bit. But given that the fact that that happened, the Astros' rotation still looks awfully strong with Zach Grinke, one of the better twos in the league. Uh, Lance McCullers coming back from missing the entire season with uh, Tommy Johns. Am I right about that, guys? Yes, sir. Yeah, well, that's obviously a tough one to come back from. He has had a lot of time, and he's been a great pitcher in the past. I, I think that Lance McCullers can be a very strong three. I'm sure his work will be a little bit limited. Uh, I like Jose Urquidy a lot, and I think that he, too, will not pitch uh, he's not going to throw 200 innings. They, it's a young arm that they want to ease into action. And we know, despite their devious ways, the Astros are pretty smart uh, with their arms specifically. So I think it's a strong rotation. And I I think they're well positioned for life without Garrett Cole. going to have to definitely agree and circle Lance McCullers because even though he had Tommy John, he's the type of pitcher that's kind of in the category of a tactician. He's not going to blow you away with his stuff, but he's kind of like an artist. He paints, 
And when you come off of Tommy John, yes, you lose some velocity, but I believe Lance McCullers does hold this rotation together. I'm going to have to strongly agree on that. Verlander and Grinke can be as good of a one-two as any in baseball. And you're right, Grinke is an artist. He, I think during his 2015 Cy Young Award campaign, where he eventually didn't win it to uh, Jake Arrieta, but he got some of the most called strikes in all of baseball, and he still has that ethos and great changeup. McCullers has that great curveball, and he throws decently hard, too. There's a lot of, like, subsidiary names, too. Jose Urquidy can be great. Brad Peacock can make some starts. Josh James, Forrest Whitley. They have some good depth options, too, that can still make the rotation very, very strong. And moving on to another part of the Astros lineup, a big part, is Jordan Alvarez. How good will he be in year two? Oh, Jordan is going to be insane. I have very high hopes for him. I mentioned him among my candidates for the MVP of this division. Uh, and hopefully maybe he avoids a little bit of the uh, the bit of the pitchers throwing at him because maybe they can cut him some slack. He wasn't up at the major league level in 2017, uh, just last year. But I think Jordan Alvarez will be awesome, pushing 40 homers, 100-plus RBI. I would expect him to bat like 280 as a floor with the potential for a lot more. He's a beast. going to have to agree he is the real deal. I mean, he's no Pete Alonso, you know what I'm saying? But uh, he definitely is the real deal. He can hit. Oof, the ball just flies off his bat. And you got a sample size of what he could do last year, and it's only going to get better. He is certainly one of the most intriguing hitters in baseball. And I remember when he hit about 117 miles per hour last year and this ridiculous 450-plus home run. He has all the power in the world. He can easily hit 40-plus home runs. He doesn't really feel too much, so I'm going to have to disagree if you're there, Henry, about him winning MVP. So that can definitely kind of go against him, as DHs tend to not win MVPs. But he can definitely hit, and he will be a big part of this Astros lineup. So done with the Astros now. Let's move on to the A's. Can they finally win the division, and can they finally make a deep playoff run that does not have them out and the American League wild card. No, not I don't really think so. I think the A's are good but not great. So I I, I think they get to the playoffs, but I wouldn't say they make a deep run. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree. I think regression will follow the A's this year. I think the Angels are better. The whole division as a whole is better, which is what brings my point of the regression. They relied on Simeon. Don't want to sound like a broken record. They do have a lot of other bats, yes, but it's a cumulative effort, and I think the division getting way better as a whole, and there will be a lot of teams nipping at their claws. Uh, I don't think they'll be bad. They'll still be good, but not last year. They they probably won't win 97 games, and that's a great point, Q, about how this division is a lot stronger and that can make it tougher for the A's, but the Astros should – not win 105 plus this year, maybe maybe 100 or even less than that. So A's can catch a little bit, but I think you guys are underrating this the potential of this pitching rotation. And their bullpen is still very well up there. They have a pretty dynamic bullpen too, with Liam Hendricks, who's one of the most underrated relievers in all of baseball. And 
I know the A's kind of seem cursed, and they definitely are for at least the last, what, 32 years now since 19 – no, no, 30 year, 31 years now, since 1989, the last time they won. But this is a good team of team the A's have as any that can actually carry them deep into the playoffs, at least in recent memory. So with that in mind, could Oakland still make this deep playoff run or probably not? Yeah, I mean, it, anything can happen if you get there. And you're right. I probably did sleep on their pitchers a little bit there when I discounted it right away. I do love Liam Hendricks. He helped bring me a fantasy baseball championship last season. Uh, but, yeah, Frankie Montas, Jesus Lazardo, that's I mean, that's a great one-two punch of, of young, talented guys. It's certainly possible, and the lineup is strong, like we said. Uh I'm rooting for Chris Davis to have a bounce-back season. He's been so consistent for the last four or five years, other than last season where it kind of just all fell apart. But, yeah, I, I think the A's, they could do it. I'm, it's, I'm not necessarily banking on it. It's, it's a good team, but I don't, I don't like them over the Astros or the Yankees. So it kind of depends on, depends on how the seating breaks down. They could make a run if they get hot at the right time, but one point to make is their starting rotation. Definitely good on paper. If an injury happens or two, though, that could change in one or two games. Yeah, the A's could still, you know, anything's possible. And we definitely can, you know, by all means disagree on it. So we'll just have to wait and see about how Oakland does this year. But I don't remember an infield as good as the A's in recent years where you have Chapman, Olsen, Semien, and probably Franklin Barato. Hopefully I'm saying his last name right, but he's been up in the wings for a while. On that note, let's move to the Mariners. And they're obviously in a rebuild mode, but what can we expect from young prospects like Justin Dunn and Justice Sheffield? Can they make a, a decent big league mark in 2020? Well, we can expect them to certainly have a chance. Uh, with not a lot for the team to be playing for, they have the opportunity to let prospects get up there and give it a shot, uh, so long as service time is being considered. But that's a problem that goes away pretty early in the season. Uh, I expect Sheffield to have a pretty good year uh, and pitch a decent amount of innings as well. I think they they the Mariners feel that they have a lot of talent in that arm, and I think they're going to turn them loose and. Let him show his stuff. Most definitely. I think it'll be a tryout type of year for them. If things go south quick, they will definitely get their fair chances. One name I like on this team, though, is Mitch Hanniger. He had a great start to his career. Hopefully he can build upon that. He's not always as consistent, but when he gets hot, the dude can hit. That's a good point to bring up Hanniger. He's really one of the few bright spots in this Mariners team, and... This is definitely a year for them to grow, see what works, see what doesn't work. And Justin Dunn and Justice Sheffield, I would say Dunn definitely has the higher ceiling, but Sheffield's more, I would say, major league ready. So it'll be interesting to see how those two do. And that's pretty much the only question that I really have on the Mariners. But going to the Rangers, is their rotation the best in baseball, arguably? And are they legitimate threat to make a good, perhaps even deep playoff run in 2020? No, not the best rotation in baseball. It is good. Uh, But just off the top of my head, I'm taking the Nationals for sure. I'm taking the Dodgers. I I might even take the Astros, honestly. 
Um, the Yankees certainly have an argument as well. Um, but you know, it is, I, I shouldn't bag on the Rangers too much. It is a strong rotation and I like their team. Um, you know, I think they have a very, very solid, uh, top three punch, especially if Kluber can get back to form, uh, but minor and, um, I'm sorry. Yeah. Minor and Lance are certainly going to have uh, another strong year. I'm going to have to say, uh, a hard no, because I have to see what Kluber can do bouncing back. Injuries late in your career can derail careers, but they do have a plethora of talent, and they're definitely definitely going to be one of the teams I'm going to watch a lot this year because they're doing some interesting things. You know, not White Sox level, but they're shaking things up a bit, and I like it. Yeah, the Rangers... At with Lynn and Minor, those two seem very, very legit at the top of the rotation, but it's not the best. Off the dome, Dodgers, Astros, Nationals, maybe even White Sox, and even the Twins a bit. Maybe not the Twins, but you know what I mean. There was a lot of good rotations out there. They could still be a top 10 rotation, but as we mentioned earlier, their hitting can definitely be, and their strikeout tendencies can definitely keep them away from a deep playoff run. Maybe they could make the playoffs. That'd be really be turning some heads. But overall, the Rangers will be a fun team, and they're definitely a sneaky pit to be good. But at the end of the day, we got through all five of these teams. There's a lot of really strong division. Interesting to see, especially where the Rangers fall in that, as the Angels have definitely improved as well. But... That's what we have for today. Thank you for listening to the Exit of Vila podcast after dark. It's a late one that happened at 1030 on February 20th. Brought to you by AJC, Christian, Hugh Caronta, Henry Winklehag. This is not goodbye. This is see you later. And have a good night, everybody. Hey.